Welcome to The She Births Show, a place to inspire your birth, evolve your parenting and help you live a life you love. I'm Nadine Richardson, your host and creator of the scientifically verified birth education program, She Births. I'm also a mother, yoga teacher, doula, author and speaker. At She Births, we have supported thousands of families around the world for over 13 years with our unique program. And our vision is to make birth better for every family around the world so that everyone experiences a beautiful birth no matter what unfolds. Not only do we help people have beautiful births, but we also give them the skills and the philosophy to enjoy pregnancy and make parenting easier. As well as our world-class birth ed, taken either face-to-face or online in our app, we also have a free pregnancy guide designed to help you feel calm, connected and inspired as you and your baby grow. We have a doula matching service, the perfect way to ensure you and your partner are completely supported throughout the whole journey. And we have our Soul Mama Circles, which are the perfect postpartum network to help optimize your mindset and design your life in parenthood. Remember, if you like what you hear today, subscribe, share with a friend and leave us a review. If you're a parent about to be one, fellow health professional, Join us now for an inspirational deep dive into topics with experts around the globe. We hope you enjoy this special episode. Welcome to episode three of season six, our Rise of the Feminine season. I'm so grateful that you are listening to these conversations about how we can create and design a new way from our beautiful births, from that rising of feminine strength out into our lives and into the world. Today's conversation is with one of my best friends, Jessica Chapnick-Khan. Jessie has worked in theatre and TV, played in bands and some of Australia's finest artists and released two solo albums under the moniker Apollonia. She is co-author of A Repurposed Life with Ronnie Khan from Oz Harvest. She is the author of children's book Lenny and the Ants and the poetry collection Madre, which was inspired by the birth of her son Lev. Jessica lives in Sydney and is married to musician Nadav Khan. She is an extraordinary human being and you will hear how much I love her. I wish that every person had such a curious and open-minded friend to hold conversations with in their lives. Together we talk a lot about the postpartum world and this sense of disappearing as a mother. And of course we talk about birth as a dream and as a rite of passage. I was doula at both her five-year-old and her two-year-old's birth. So we talk about her first posterior labor and epidural and her little girl Shemi needing open heart surgery just after birth. We talk about surrender and the hero's journey, shame, maternal rage, the rising of the feminine alongside the rising of the masculine and how this has to happen at the same time. Jessie also reads to us from her beautiful poetry book, Madre, which I highly recommend that you pre-order her first um, publishing round is already sold out. So 
reach out to her via Instagram at Jessica Chapnick Khan, J-E-S-S-I-C-A-C-H-A-P-N-I-K-K-A-H-N. DM her and grab that beautiful book. I really hope that you enjoy our conversation. Jessica Chapnick Khan, welcome to the She Births Show. <laughs> it's funny you being now the podcast person. <laughs> <laughs> so I talk to you as much as I possibly can, as much as any human can, you know, when you've got two children under the age of five and, um, you know, four different career strands and, you know, <laughs> attachment parenting and all that and we live in different cities now and um, it's pretty miraculous that I've got you here on the show. So let's hope something decent comes out of this conversation. Yes, please. <laughs> worth it. Every minute has to count. Every minute, every second. Um, so I, I, I will have told people about you. I'll tell you people about you. But maybe you do want to just share, like, who are you in the world right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm an artist. I make music. I sing, I write songs, I write books and poetry. Um, I used to act. I kind of still consider myself an actor, but I don't really act at the moment. So, <clears throat> um, and I also, yeah, have found drawing and painting and making pictures since motherhood. So that's sort of another aspect explore an aspect that I'm exploring yeah Yeah. beautiful I mean have you got Madre there I do somewhere here well hopefully we can share a poem Mm. from Madre yeah that would be lovely and I wanted you on the show because I was with you um as your doula for both your babies and every time, you know, you're the most spiritual, deep thinking, artistic woman that I know. Aww. I feel honoured to have you in my life. And I feel you know, every time I come to you to have a chat, you're always so curious and always so um, offering of a space that gives expansion and allowance and acceptance. Like you really have been a therapist maybe or a shaman or something for like many lifetimes. Um, So that's where I think we have the most profound conversations, a conversation that offers realisations into ourselves and understanding of the world and open-minded conversations, not knowing the answer and I suppose that's where we could maybe lead into this topic of the podcast of the feminine and the theme for this season is the rise of the feminine and it is a really I get it's not an easy thing to kind of grasp um, what that really means 
things, but that is because I think the masculine and the feminine polarities of who we are that make up everybody, consciousness like emerges into these dancing polarities, these expressions of masculine and feminine are very subtle and they're inherent and they exist deep in our psyches and cells and we're actually, you know, moving between them all the time. On a gross level, you could say we're moving between sympathetic and parasympathetic all the time, the fight or flight relaxation response, like everyone learns in she-births. But then on a more subtle level, we're actually dancing between um, the linear and the known and control into the unknown. And so in a sense, talking with you is literally a step into the feminine, into that blackness, into that mystery. And that's why we hope something good comes from this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but when you were saying all that about curiosity and thank you for all those words, by the way, it's very lovely. Um, I was thinking about just something popped in my head, so something that I love to do and have done for many years is study Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism. And when you said the curiosity thing, I remember this Kabbalah teacher that I had, a very incredible scholar, and he always said to us, the question is holy, you know, not necessarily. The answers are multiple, you know, but the question is actually where the holiness, we, we get so caught up in like, well, what's the answer to that? What's the answer to that? What's the answer to that? But the act of the very question itself is where the holy, where the holiness lives. And I think the question is a very feminine sort of idea, you know, the masculine yeah. is more trying to contain it and answer it and grasp it and conquer it and understand it and know it and the feminine is curiosity, is mm. is the holiness of that question. So that's what it made me think when you were sort of. No, I love that. Because I think when you and I talk, we do, we go right, we, we're just like in a pot of the questions, you know. We're in a womb. I mean, really we're in the blackness of a womb. And I think that the, you know, the feminine, the Shakti symbol, you know, in in yoga is the triangle pointing down. It's the shape of the womb. It's pointing to the earth. And the womb is this black space, this empty space filled with the potential for the most extraordinary creation, right? But it's from that blackness, from that not knowing. And the last two years has been, and it's still this year forward, has been a very challenging time for every human on the planet to live with such unknowing, such uncertainty. And I feel like it's eminent that the feminine is becoming more prolific and more profound and emergent. And this is very different to feminism. It's what Shebirth has been about for me. It's if we could honour that feminine principle within us, that surrendering and opening and letting go, like certainly we could be more uh, respectful of women giving birth in that state who often aren't loved and cared for as they're surrendering and opening. They're poked and prodded and pushed around on conveyor belts and so on. So, you know, if we can honour it in birth, then I I really believe that the whole world would change. But it seems like the pandemic and has just like pushed us really into such a state of unknowing, 
which has created, I believe, a huge amount of anxiety and fear. I feel it in myself and I'm sure other people must be feeling it, don't you reckon? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I Motherhood and the pandemic, you know, there was that thing of like now the world has gone into postpartum, you know, when when the pandemic happened. I I remember there was a bit of that talk around oh my god it's like the whole world is in postpartum because we're all, we've all gone into this cocoon there's no real achieving um yeah we're not all out there trying to be seen or win you know we're just inward um in the uncomfortability and the joys of, of postpartum um that's awesome yeah. I thought about that a lot in the, during the pandemic of that feeling of the disappearing, you know, that happens, you know, speaking for women, um, that happens often with motherhood and with ageing as well, the disappearing and what that act means and what that what can we bring to that disappearing, um, you know, and and showing up to the world like we have to show up you know I you know when I perform I feel completely I'm in such a phase of disappearing with a two-year-old you know I'm just in my thing here I'm not like out in the world in the same way that I used to be and I have to show up on stage disappeared you know and what that feels like and what that means and what is the gift of being disappeared and showing up you know to the world in that way um as a person that's seeking very different things and feeling very differently. And I don't know, that may be some aspect of the feminine too, that we, you know, the creating of in order to create, we were talking about it before actually on the phone, just in that another Kabbalistic creation myth, you know, when the world was created, the divine or the, the greater power, the way the world was created was that consciousness said, I want to know something other than myself. So it had to become really small and essentially contract and disappear in order to create this other space for something else to exist. And that is exactly what, you know, yeah, um, wow. a womb does, obviously. Um, and that aspect, that aspect of being able to contract in order to create and being able to contract in order to be to experience and be able to contract in order to enhance other things to happen and other experiences. Is that is that a, a feminine sort of principle? It has to be. It has to be. You know, that disappearing, like you say, Ooh. requires letting go of who we are in the world, certainly in postpartum, um, it's a huge identity shift. A new identity will emerge, not from you pushing a baby out or lifting a baby out. Mm. The new identity comes from the disappearing and the letting go of who I was. Um, and, of course, and even in marriage, we've talked about that. In marrying someone, there's oh. a grief. There is a letting go of me as an individual to merge into this new formation, this new uh, I don't know, for want of a better word, you know, organism, I suppose. And that's what the world is definitely going on, going through right now. We've all been sent to our rooms and 
you know, we also got sent to our rooms, well, even in Sydney too, with the weather. Uh, you, you haven't finished yet. Back you go, you naughty children. It was literally like that, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. The big mother just sending us all back to our rooms to go and have pause and deep inner reflection, stepping deeper and deeper into the unknown of um whatever the next evolutionary process is is meant to be for our planet, for the healing. Yeah, and what we bring to the world now that we did all disappear, you know, what? how do we emerge now after that collective postpartum or whatever we want to call it? How do we, you know, do we just try and come back as we were, you know, on social media or in our work or in our lives or do we actually bring the fruits of our disappear? disappearedness um, into our work and into our lives. And there is something, there's something about that brokenness and I'm relating it to motherhood, but I think, you know, comparing it to the postpartum thing, there's something about the brokenness in the, in the disappearedness that has real gifts. I don't know exactly what they are in this minute, but I know, (laughs) I know that they're very, um, very rich, very different to what we bring when we're just, you know, when we haven't experienced that under underground, uh, yeah. underground experience, you know? Totally. Totally. And that's it. Like, you know, when you're embarking, you know, when you and I walked the labyrinth before you gave birth to Lev, as this symbol of the journey to motherhood, you step across the threshold into the labyrinth. You know, it's representative of Inanna's journey into the underworld as well. You step into that not knowing how you will reach the other side, how you will go in and under, how you will birth achieve that, you know, the ultimate goal and also walk out who you will be when you walk out. You actually just do not know at all. Mm-hmm. And it, so it cracks me up, you know, um, when women, you know, it's it's funny when people say, I know exactly how it's going to go, you know. People actually say that. Yes, we were talking about that a month or two ago. People about, you mean like the birth? Or you mean yes. after the birth? Okay. We know people who have said that. And it's different to the scripting because I yeah. think when people take on the scripting, they're leaning into the qualities, the feelings, the dynamics. They're really trying to get a feeling sense of it. But then when people say like, oh, no, like it's, I know it's going to be exactly like this, this sense of knowing, like big red flag like huge red flag, you are missing the whole rite of passage. The rite of passage comes from not knowing. Yes. How many people, I wonder, had the birth exactly? No one. Mm. No one has the exact birth that they imagine because you have to get the birth that you need. You have to get the one that you are learning. So when I call you and I say, I, oh my God, I just had this dream where I did blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't think I should share that blah, blah, blah right now publicly. <laughs> and I say, I think it means this. And you're like, what did you say to me when I said, I know what it, 
it, it means blah blah. And it's you're like, unlikely you dress <laughs> if you know what it means. <laughs> Why would your unconscious be trying to tell you something you already know? That's that's right. right. So it, yeah. So explain that a bit more. So can you just explain that a bit more? Like, I love dreams. God, I love dreams, and it's a really classic. You know, we all do it. We have a dream and it's like, oh, God, I know why I dreamt that, you know, because I've been there, you know, we all have our thing. It's really, you know, I used to do this incredible dream class with this incredible Jungian dream therapist and I just loved the way he began the classes. I've never had anyone begin any type of dream thing like that or any kind of class. He would start the class with saying, let's just stop for a second and acknowledge how scary it is to be about to talk about things that we'll never know the meaning of. We'll actually wow. never know what this means. It's terrifying. We're going to try and, you know, work some things out. But we are tense. We are facing a big tension. Let's just sit for a second with that feeling. And I think, you know, we often do that with dreams. We, we we're up for showing up to like, oh, it must mean this. But the more terrifying question is, what if I, what if it doesn't mean the thing that I think it means? What else is out there? You know, what, and obviously that takes knowing, trying to know what you don't know takes probably a bit of prompting from someone else or meditating on it or, but it's um dream work is an incredible sort of uh what's the word a sort of a sort of model for 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 that surrender in a way yeah we're talking about for the for the unknown for the mystery because we'll try but we'll never possess this we will never possess this it is an evolving kind of riddle you know yeah and now for a quick break at she births we believe that pregnancy birth and matrescence the sacred postpartum is an awesome rite of passage our free holistic pregnancy guide offers you six months of weekly support drop straight into your inbox or within our free she births app you can get content that will nourish your body mind and soul You can enjoy prenatal yoga videos, great recipes, birth affirmations, course discounts, and more. From me and my team, the creator of the world's only scientifically verified antenatal classes, it is our gift to you. Sign up today and receive the free holistic pregnancy guide at shebirths.com forward slash PG. That's shebirths.com forward slash PG. And you just you just sort of brought it back to the question is holy. Yeah, that's right. The question is holy. You know, what if the most sacred thing is simply your intention, you know, perhaps even, and the intention is holy. Yeah. And then birth the intention for the birth is just to be beautiful, you know, and it will be whatever it will be in whatever shape or form because I actually do not have control mm-hmm. over everything. And I was talking about this yesterday with a couple of 
um, beautiful man at a party and we were talking about, you know, how we live in a pandemic of control and comfort. You know, we think it's all about being comfortable all the time and I'm just going to sit on the sofa for a few hours and watch telly and I'm going to get my Uber Eats and, you know, and then we've got this pandemic of control, you know, well, I'm going to schedule my birth and I'm going to schedule the induction or the Caesar or whatever and I'm not saying it's 100% wrong but there's a huge culture of control and comfort. And birth, if you really allow it, it will take you into the dark, scary, mysterious rite of passage places of the unconscious in order for whatever needs to be revealed will be revealed. And at the same time, you know, we have our education, we have learning with me and she births and doulas and so on, but you still can't understand absolutely everything about your birth, like straight after you've given birth. It takes time and it will be with you for the rest of your life and maybe in a samadhi moment of dying perhaps everything makes sense but to say that you understand everything about how it happened I again I'd be going red flags on that well, that's birth is, I haven't thought about it before but birth is a lot like a dream yes it's an altered state of consciousness you're yeah. in the fourth state you're in a transcendent state absolutely Unpacking what happened what you remember and what actually happened because they can totally be- and then you know the ideas of it was bad it was good it was painful it was whatever we you know was it like you know and how yeah. it's a shifting riddle again it can be and how it changes over time as well and how it changes from the day after to two months later to totally and yeah and why that dream and why did that dream why did we choose that dream or why did that dream choose us you know both um that's the thing about birth it does choose us <laughs> the way we birth does choose us even though we do you know and certainly god I have lived that, you know, deeply and incredible, incredible. (laughs) My God, yeah. Do you feel like you could talk about your births? Because they're both very different and, of course, your children are very different and you're a different person. But, you know, the births themselves, I mean, they're, they're different. They're different experiences. And the first birth I remember you um you know with your hand up <laughs> yes reaching that hand up you know to god my hand and, of god maradona moment <laughs> you know just yeah it was my hand of god moment. i was touching yeah touching god um gosh you know lev's birth that's my so i have a five and a half year old son lev and an almost two-year-old daughter shemi Um, I don't go back to Lev's birth that much. Um, a lot of that is very hazy, actually. Um, well, lucky I just edited your birth video. (laughs) 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 It's taken five and a half years. (laughs) But I have, I do think about it. It's funny, Shemi's birth, I haven't written down yet can you believe two years later like I'm I'm all about writing things when they're fresh and I just I haven't been able to face paper with it um yeah you know Shemi's birth was so different in a pandemic 
and she doctors found a heart a heart situation with her at 20 weeks in utero so uh, the pregnancy and was incredibly different and I knew that as soon as I birthed she would be taken away and have to have open heart surgery at birth and I thought I'd had this home birth I thought I'd you know I just had all these you know there was so much loss in the way that I thought not only the birth would happen but that my life would happen with two you know you just assume things are going to be normal um and everything about this you know had this sense of loss you know I wasn't going to hold my baby I didn't know if she would survive um I didn't know what the future held after this surgery talk about unknowns my god you know in the pandemic who would be allowed in the room you know what would unfold god um yeah it's hard to explain just the level of you know the I had 20 weeks basically from 20 weeks she was born exactly at 40 weeks I had 20 weeks to just grieve and grieve and grieve and feel into this and the birth itself was actually incredibly what you know from what I would would think was very textbook in that it was just everything progressed exactly as I always imagined you know Lev's birth had not been like this everything progressed exactly as you know you hear things can progress and but I had yeah I recently talked about this experience in a show actually um because I was performing the heart sutra I don't know if you're big on the heart sutra Nadine like the that Buddhist prayer you have to well I actually saw Tenzin Chogel perform the other night and I was wishing I'd seen it in Sydney. Oh, yes. So it was actually when I was supporting him here in Sydney. Yeah. Nadav and I, my husband, we performed together sometimes and we decided to sing a version of the Heart Sutra, which is this very sacred prayer in Buddhism, Um, probably the gem, you know, of the Buddhist, well, I shouldn't, I actually don't know, but it is one of the gems. Um. And I had this therapist that was always a Buddhist therapist. She was always leading me to the Heart Sutra. This was like, God, 15 years ago or something. And I just never, I'd like read it. And it was, you know, when things are just, I mean, it's it's your time because you're receiving it, but I couldn't grasp anything, not one line of it. It was like, oh, it sounds the Heart Sutra. What a beautiful poetic bit. I couldn't understand a thing about it. And when I was pregnant, I thought, my God, my baby has a heart situation the heart sutra what better time to pull this out you know so I pulled it out again no clue no sense of connection what is this about and you know it ends with this line um gone 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 beyond to the other shore um there's different translations but it's sort of this idea of how I had interpreted and how I'd seen it interpreted before was that it was sort of about you know, us transitioning out of, you know, whether it was in death, going towards, you know, complete dissolution or like, um, you know, becoming, letting go of the things that constrict us in this life and entering a type of enlightenment, I guess, an enlightened state, whether in this life or in the next. Gone, gone, gone beyond. And, um, In the birth, in Shemi's birth, 
I had this actual in reenactment of what I considered the Heart Sutra, right? It came, the Heart Sutra reenacted itself for me in some way. And I guess I was halfway through the birth. Uh, I don't know if I've ever even, I probably have. You, you haven't told me this. I haven't told like, God damn it. How did I miss this? Was I rubbing your oh, back or filming oh, your was, butt at some point? Well, you definitely were doing those things, definitely filming my butt. But, um, um, probably there was just so much going on after the birth, you know, with injuries yeah. and this and that. It was like, but we were halfway through. I guess I was like five centimetres or something and it was that point, you know, I remember just feeling like it was beyond pain now. It was just sort of like I am disintegrating. This is, it's over. Like there was just, yeah, just an absolute this is it. Like I'm about to cease, you know. And I had what I felt was like this quantum leap. That's the only way I can describe it, like a quantum leap of, I don't know, consciousness or I don't know, where I all of a sudden, you know, because you're holding, you have this idea with birth, like if I prepare like this and, you know, we have these laws, I guess, in our world of like if you think positively, you know, this happens and if you don't think like this, this, you'll probably draw this and if you do this, this is the consequence of that and if you, you know, do bad to this person, that will come back to you. There's laws. There's laws that we have all testified to that it's like actually yeah there are these we're sort of bound to these particular ways um that the world works kind of like gravity that's a part of our reality I felt that I entered this state where all of that fell away I had no sense of like you can do this come on you know I'm doing this I you know no strength I was gone finished it was it was beyond time and space it was beyond being able to do anything. It was beyond my mind, beyond being positive, beyond believing that I could. I could think any thought in this realm. I could think the worst thought in the world. It would not manifest. It would not matter. It had no importance, no relevance. So liberating. Whatever that space is, that realm is, you matter very little what you do there. Um, There is something else at work. And as I enter this space, I feel my baby. I feel, I knew it was a little girl. I feel her and I I don't, I mean, I sort of see her, I hear her, I feel her. It wasn't a vision and I, you know, it was beyond any of that. And I see her on this other shore. I can feel that she's on another shore and she's coming to the shore where I am. Wow. And every cry, every like, ah, you know, that I'm doing is like this song, this mother song. And it's like this yes in a song. Like I was, it was the most beautiful, almost like to her, it was the most beautiful song of yes, 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 come, you know. And I feel it's like she's sort of swimming towards me, Um and I, I hear, I perceive her saying, I'm coming, Mama. I'm coming. <laughs> and it was with such jubilance, you know, like this absolute like taking a bite of the juicy apple. She's coming, you know. Oh, my God. 
And wow. in relation to the circumstances was incredibly comforting because I imagined, you know, this poor child, these things are going to happen. And, da, da, da. and she was like, give me all of it, you know. And it was just such a different, um, you know, this idea that gone, gone beyond and, you know, we go to the other shore, we go, we go towards enlightenment, we go towards. But what I actually experienced there was she was coming from her shore I was going towards her, that the, the experience of the coming and going at once that was happening, I was sort of gone, I was dead, essentially. She was coming. And the way that this coming and going and the merging of two impossible shores, wow. God knows where her shore was. God knows where my shore was in that moment. But this world called her world, my whatever called her. So like it was so impossible and it was happening, you know, and I I have this new understanding of this heart situation. There's so much in it, but this idea of the coming and going that is happening on a daily basis in our lives in the way that it, you know, it happens in birth. You have the coming of a new and the going of your old and the the goneness and the the goneness of it all and the arrival of it all and how that's the way we evolve as well we're constantly the back and forth the the up the down the the good, yeah. you know we think we're advancing and then we're not we go backwards and then and then we, we take a little step more and then oh what happened we but that's sort of how friction works that's how things move they actually go backwards and forwards and the shores the shores have to meet you know in this impossible way um which reminds me also of that biblical image Jacob's ladder you know it's this ladder that is going up and down up and down and what you know it's coming from the heavens and it the up and down movement of growth and yeah, and disappear the disappearedness, you know, the goneness and the showing up in it and and meeting and showing up and meeting the shore and and coming back yeah. and going back like it's an incredible it's an incredible thing and that experience with Shemian in the birth I haven't it's it's so new you know it happened two years ago but it feels so new so fresh and that I often think about that whatever that quantum space was where anything was possible beyond me and I guess that's what surrender is it's like when you actually truly said I mean it's a word that's thrown around so much and also yeah. surrender and like no one can it's not a it's not really a verb you can't do it it's not a verb. Surrender is not a verb. That is a book title. <laughs> but you can't do it. You can't do it. It is done. It, it, it happens to you, I think. Well, that's the way I perceived it in birth. Of course, you could choose to, you know, yield to something. But in birth, and that's what that quantum space was. And I felt that this is this is the surrender principle from the spiritual point of view. That quantum space, which is I had no other choice but to render, like to open or to control yeah. whatever was happening, talking about those creation stories, to become, to disappear. There is no choice here. This is yeah. what must be to allow something completely yeah. cosmic to happen. Yeah. Um, 
And it doesn't matter if I'm not a great, not great at this. It doesn't matter if I have this tragic background or traumatic experience or there's nothing you need to work through with the therapist. It actually does not matter in that space what you are, what you've been, what's happened to you, what's going to happen, how evolved you are, how not evolved you are, how rich, how poor, how any, nothing matters, how positive, how toxic you are, nothing. It's just beyond all of it. What a space. Like I, I'd love wow. to touch it briefly again, not for too I'm, I'm sure that happens in, I don't know, I wonder if it's like a death space, you know, if that's. But um, what's possible there? I guess that's what I saw. What is actually possible there? The impossible is possible there. Yeah. The because that's what was happening. Two shores merged. Wow. I don't know. I can't know where I was going with that, but I think um, there. I love. I suppose I just want to draw out like nothing matters in that space, because really, and I maybe I don't want to project onto your experience, but for me and like exploring altered states and five D and higher self and all of this evolution and ascension that's going on, like there's a place where we know that we are nothing but matter. It's just matter and yet nothing. And in that space where we are just all matter and we see everything just simply as matter, (laughs) nothing matters. It really doesn't. It's all just this crazy dance of play of life. And, and like, I think it's a funnel experience. I think birth is like a funnel and it's like matter forming itself and pushing its way through you know the birth canal to be born in a sense but at the same time you know where you went is into the the far reaches of the beyond into you know a unity space Mm. and that 5d unity space and you know you then had to come back through the funnel to be the mother perform these roles and responsibilities here in 3D land and, yeah. But I think more and more people are reaching for that space, you know, that reach that you had in the first birth, touching Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Um, In a sense, you kind of did touch God. You know, of course, God is always there. God is us. But to actually have a connection where you die into that is a real touching, a surrender into that. Mm. Just thinking of that reaching, you know, because this is when I was birthing Levia, I was on a bed and I was I had my arm up and just to explain, Nadine later asked me what, you know, what were you doing in that moment? And I said I was touching God and I remember I guess also now that I think about it, drawing it back to that shore, that other world, it was like I was touching, I was touching the other shore. I was touching another reality. That's where your yeah. child lives. That I mean yeah. the child is in the womb, but the child is the journey of whatever the, the soul or yeah, you know, oh no, no one knows, but Where's it coming from? It's coming from your body, but what what powers 
a drawing all its life force and all that is going to be the the future like the like the whole component of the being where is that you know sort of coming from it's i i don't think it's just coming from your womb i think that's that idea that the womb is a portal to all to all these other worlds you know and i was touching i was trying to touch or touching that space the space that my yeah. child was living you yeah. know i wasn't touching my belly mm. yeah know? yeah mm. and now for a quick break contrary to popular culture she births believes that childbirth can be the best day of your life it is designed perfectly to be empowering enriching and bonding an awesome rite of passage. Our childbirth education programs have helped thousands of families around the world since 2008, allowing families to not only feel empowered through education, but also connect with their innate birthing wisdom to create the best birth possible and begin their parenting journey with confidence. She Birth's unique methodology was scrutinized in university trials and has been published in the British Medical Journal for improving birth outcomes for both mother and child. I'd like to invite you to begin preparing for birth today. Just go to shebirths.com to discover our 2-day weekend face-to-face -face courses or access the online courses from anywhere around the world. That's shebirths.com. Create your beautiful birth with the world's only scientifically verified antenatal classes. One more thing when you described that um I can yeah I can really feel that essence of the soul of Shemi mm. specifically like I'm coming mama like that <laughs> you know I can really feel that and and just like that biting into the juiciest apple you know the jubilance of living life I want all of it you know I'm here to taste all of it and um there is nothing better than jump like biting into a juicy apple, you know, and that is what we talk about <laughs> in the Christian paradigms of what Eve does, mm. you know, the representation of well, that Bible says woman, I suppose, in a translation, but to me that the feminine has been persecuted for wanting all of life, wanting the dance and the taste of everything, the paradox, the pain, you know, and she's been persecuted for that, judged for that, judged for binding into an apple and wanting to taste all of life, the juiciness of life. But we all want a juicy life, you know. <laughs> Who wants to live a dry, boring, controlled, comfortable, didactic, linear life? Like that sounds horrific to me. It sounds awful. And yet the, the unknown is petrifying sometimes as well, the juiciness. Yeah, and the pain, and the pain. Yeah. I mean, with that, the Eve and God, I love all the garden stuff. I love all the, you know, creation stories is like, totally my thing but I think it's Joseph Campbell that says the biting of the apple is like Eve initiating life you know that's actually what the biting of the apple represents life begins when we have consciousness when we are aware when we see you know when we 
And I, it was such a comfort to hear this baby say, Mama, I'm coming, because the joy that was in that, in her, I, it was almost like I could hear the smile in the words. And <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, all I knew was what was coming, you know, God, I hope things there's, you know, ease in health for her, for her long and happy, healthy life. But I knew what was coming in those next few weeks. And isn't it incredible that we say we all did that? And I guess that's why Joseph Campbell says we're all heroes at our birth. We say yes to this God, you know, in my human you know, very, you know, and, and this is the thing also about dreams. We have a real sense of like, oh, this is what it means. This is what it, this is why I dreamt it. And this is what it means. And in my, this is what it means is she must be in my womb going, oh, I'm not sure I want to come out. I'm not going to be held by mommy. You know, I had these ideas and I had this, and they're going to poke me. And probably I had this whole story from my perspective, from my human and mother perspective. And, and, you know, referring it back to the dream, there's always another, there's, you know, the shadow side and there's always these multiple sides. And like, how about the side that she was going, I know, I know, and I'm in for it. You know, I want it. I actually want it, mama. That's what she was saying. I I know, I know I'm not going to be held by you after birth. You know, these things were, you know, I couldn't fathom. Um, how can a baby come out and not be held? That's that's got that's a problem. That's a problem. It is not going to have the arms of a mother for two weeks. It is never going to know, you know, touch skin. You know, that is a problem. And I I truly felt her say, "I know," and I'm I'm up for it, and I've got it. I signed up for this. I say yes to exactly this. You know, what a comfort. And what a different way to analyze the dream, you know, um, mm. that I thought I understood, which was my baby's going to be born like this and this is how it's going to feel and be. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you guys didn't experience <laughs> a lot of suffering, I think, you know, oh a lot of deep, deep uh, sadness and pain and grief. Oh, my God. Absolutely. And worry and yeah. And I still do, you know, I'm still unpacking. God, when you see when you see something, I don't think anyone's the same after they've seen, you know, so often I think I see photos of myself before I had this experience and I think, oh, that's I can really see in my face that I'd never seen, I'd never known sort of I mean, I don't even know what to call it exactly, but when you know that something can happen that's completely out of your control, like truly completely out of your control and traumatic and terrifying and, you know, like the, the potential loss of a child or, you know, many of the things that happen in the Shemi journey, I can see that I, I looked completely different. I was a completely different person and I'm still unpacking all of that, of course, and I wonder how it's going to play out for her, you know, this birth story and how she came into the world. Um, but I'll always, I think I'll be able to remind her, you know, this 
in some way, I haven't really thought about it. I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here of of that vision that I had or that experience, whatever that was. And we must all have come in. I don't think that was particular to her. Did we all come in in this way? Did we all come in with that? Whatever, you know, however traumatic we've heard our own birth stories or, or even the trauma of our own, you know, childhoods and our children, yeah, and, and our lives. Was there that baby coming from that shore going, I know, I know. Yeah. And yes, yes, sign me up for that. Yep, I, yes, you know. What yeah. a, what a, God, what a shifter. Spiritual solace. The whole world is kind of created, the patriarchy and capitalism and everything that our technology, like it's all revolved, what it all revolves around now, you know, consumerism and users and data and growth economies and trickle down and all this bullshit um, that doesn't really serve anyone but the elite this struggle that we're caught up in is always about looking outside and it just doesn't serve us and it doesn't serve women as they go into birth to look outside and to be caught up in the world in thinking that someone's going to come and save you, you know, or that someone knows better than you. And um, But I, I just know that people, if they look in, they will find the answers and they will find the essence of who they are because you can't not be a spiritual person because everyone is a spirit. You know, we are all spirits. We all are a higher self version embodied in this 3D mind reality of pain and suffering. And yet if we stop and pause for a moment, we can all realise that we are much more and beyond that and that actually, yeah, we chose it. We chose it. I think everyone can connect to that ultimately if they take pause, really. We chose it. Mm. I don't know why when you were talking about that I I had the vision of um, do you remember once? <laughs> I have to, I don't know where the connection is here, but I was you called me and I was hanging laundry and Lev was, he would have been, I don't know, one and a half. He was sitting just on dirt. The phone rang, I picked up, it was you, and you were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just hanging laundry. Lev's just playing with the dirt. And you are like, oh, yeah. And I was like, I'm so embarrassed about this, but I'm so happy to be like doing nothing but hanging this laundry I had like this ecstasy it's funny you know that that whole line after the ecstasy the laundry you know that was <laughs> but this was actually ecstasy in the laundry um I I didn't have it with Shemi that whole experience I think having two is a whole other thing not to mention what I've been through but having two is yeah a whole other juggle but with Lev I remember just feeling shame around feeling, you know, you were saying the outer, you, you were talking about yeah. the world, looking outward and outward and the shame that I felt for, you know, I saw it as like, oh, my God, I'm like into domestic stuff. Like I'm a very not domestic person. Um, I don't know how to cook and I'm not good at house things. Um, 
but all I wanted to do was hang that laundry. And you, thank God, you were like, oh, what? You were like, don't. It's your hormones and that's exactly what you're meant to be doing, you know, and that's the whole basket weaving and that's the whole look into it, you know, you gave me this whole, this is what your hormones are doing right now. They want to be just, they want to just do repetitive work. Yeah. Not achieve. And, like, you gave me that permission, like, this was actually a biological thing. I I was so ashamed thinking, you know, what is this? Am I, like, becoming some... You know, and these are the misconceptions of the feminine and this is where feminism and everything starts intersecting and getting really confused and really weird. Yes, let's go there. Yes. Such a minefield. I love doing the washing. <laughs> I, I not, but I did. Oh, it's awesome. Times and shamefully, shamefully until, you know, I was like, hang on, I've, I've misconstrued something. I'm seeing this as, oh, the housewife that's, you know, trapped and, oh, my God, my feminist sort of, you know, mm-hmm. happening here. Um, oh, is this, oh, my God, you know, I'm just going to become a person that doesn't do things and, oh, I'm just happy with my kid hanging laundry. You know, it was just so, yeah, diabolical really. Um the conflict between feminism, which actually a lot of feminism is an internalised misogyny and patriarchy, to be honest. You know, let's just let that one ripple through the airwaves for a moment Um, because the conflict is there between feminism and shoulds and achievement and, and, again, that's why I come back to masculine and feminine. And I think all people actually are, you know, omnisexual. I don't. You know, we're all duality. We're all different sexes and genders, just simply expressing like different flowers in the garden. Um, But we love to be in that feminine and postpartum we realise the joy and simplicity and it starts in pregnancy. It starts in pregnancy as the frontal lobe gets filled with the endorphins the neocortex, that linear analytical part of our mind just doesn't want to work and certainly can't work if we're fully allowing the hormones in birth because it's getting absolutely pumped full of beta endorphins and they are opiates. They are the hormones of transcendence. They take you to the shore wherever that is for whichever woman and the birth experience and it means that we can't advocate for ourselves, firstly, in labour and have fights about like, no, that's not the way I want to be spoken to, please, because in the middle of labour you're in, you know, oh my God. That, that feminist is not there. She's not there. That's why you have to have a partner skilled up and a doula to protect and advocate for you within the system. But oestrogen and oxytocin, also are so high in postpartum, um, particularly oxytocin, that love hormone, and that purely keeps us in a calm state to love and care for our children. But that is the state that ancient cultures literally have been allowing women to hang out in. So it's like sitting in a circle, basket weaving with kids rolling around and crawling and toddling and grabbing onto boobs and, you know, dogs and cute things and giggles and laughter and making fun about 
you know, at each other and the blokes doing their thing, that kind of land of oxytocin is pure parasympathetic. And that's where the feminine actually does get to come through. And that is where we, as women, feminism has to listen to the feminine and the essence of hormones because, and we're probably going into dangerous territory here, because we're missing that by going out into the world so much. And, you know, if it works for you to achieve a lot, that's great. If you can also find respite in the feminine and have that play out in your life and keep that balance. But there's such a rejuvenation and there is such a um, an ecstasy in the simplicity, in the feminine, in the non-achievements, in the simply being. It's simply, yeah, we go into feminine, which is yin, which is being, which is space hmm. and having space. And the hormones are calling for us to go there. The nervous system, our children want us to hang out there, certainly in the young younger years. And pregnancy takes us there too. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's so many shades to it. Like, you know, with Shemi with a second child, I don't know if it was that experience or, you know, the changes in hormones with different pregnancies, you know, it's, it's not the same. I found all those tasks, you know, not nice. You know, I, I was bored and I was sort of, there was a lot more rage to my experience, you know, and that's a whole other topic, the sort of Oh, rage. I could talk about rage for a long time. But um, but I do think it's interesting. We even make fun of that whole, oh, baby brain, you know, oh, you know, like we, it's a sort of point of ridicule, you know, that, oh, you just, you know, you're pregnant and you become, uh, you know, yeah. and all this stuff. And it's so where, it, you know, even though it's light and, oh, yeah, it's funny, but it's also there's a shame to to it as well, and we want to be like, oh God, I want to think how I thought before, and I want to. But yeah. you know, I, you know, coming out again, it's part of that disappearing thing. It's part of coming out of that world of doing of action, and you know, obviously speaking of the the masculine and feminine, and you know how we're not, you know, talking about gender. We're talking about mm. sort of you know, spheres within ourselves, um, God, I found it really, really embarrassing. Yeah. Really embarrassing. Um, and because I knew there was judgment, you know, you, you just hear, oh, you're in that, you know, you'll tell people, you know, how, how are you? You'll tell them a bit, oh, you're in that mum fate. I don't know. It's like everything, it's like kind of has this gross... <laughs> Oh, the mum fate, you know, mum, sometimes that word itself, it's mm. like, oh, why does it sound so unattractive the way it's being positioned here? You know, sounds disappeared, sounds not competent, you know? Um, yeah, because you're not valued because that feminine experience is not being valued in a patriarchal masculinely dominant masculine dominant world which is about externalities achievements and growth and linearity care isn't valued as well connection isn't valued um so I mean maybe we should just have a little brainstorm on like what is the feminine like and what isn't the feminine you know like how do we nurture those feminine 
experiences and ways of being in, inside ourselves. You know, because mm-hmm. to me, feminine is space, it's letting go, it's relaxation, it's the mystery, it's healing. What is the feminine to you? God, I so because I never, oh, it's a really tricky one to define for me. And I keep, when you when you say that, I, I keep, like, my mind goes to, like, mythology. I just think, mm. oh, what are some of the myths? And then I think about, I don't know, archetypal feminine roles that, you know, have the rage or the warrior or the, and then I think, oh, hang on. Yes. Feminine too. It is. So what are we talking about here? What are we talking about if it involves the masculine, like if it involves what we would call more masculine things, like the, you know, the warrior is more of a, yeah. you know, like what are we actually talking about? Because that is a part of the feminine. We're talking about the mother, I suppose. You know what? It's actually maybe the divine feminine is really the mother and the mother is kind but also fierce. And the way home to find that mother archetype is through the feminine. It's through the surrender that you find your strength. It's in the centre of the yin and letting go that you find that fierceness where you actually in birth become like overtaken by her energy, by that she principle, by the the yin but also has the yang, the fierceness inside it because the mother can destroy and create And, and not everyone's up for that. But that is the truth and that's what's going on all the time on our planet, Um, creation and destruction all the time. And we all are born and we all die. Um, Nobody lives forever. (laughs) So, you know, at some point we're all checking out, we will be destroyed and we'll be eaten by the earth and return back to her. Um, But she's kind and she's fierce. That's absolutely it deep tender compassion but also a wild raging fury as well Mm, I think yeah I was thinking in in again in Kabbalah there's this idea I mean I think in most mystical traditions there's a real you know in the non-mystical branch we have this generally uh, male god you know um and in the mystical traditions, there's a real understanding that it's God is a plural, that it's a male, female energy, higher power that is in balance. Um, it's not a gendered thing. You know, even in Hebrew, there's the word Elohim, which is a p- plural. You know, it's the word for God, one of the words, and it's a plural. It's sort of they. It's a they. And it's interesting, like the Kabbalah has these very sacred books um, and essentially they're like a an erotic love story between, you know, the feminine and the masculine polarities, I guess, uh, and the inner life of the divine, which is this sort of, you know, and, and there's, you know, all these ideas of like and then the male face turned away and when the male face is turned that way they can't be in harmony and then the woman, you know, the feminine turns her face and then he turns, like it's, it's, it's this very epic cosmic love story and it's when they're facing each other 
you know, that the perfect balance in the world is occurring and the whole, it's almost like our whole, I don't know, the whole cosmic purpose is for the erotic you know, love story to to happen in its, you know, for them to finally get together in the way they were always meant to get to meant to get together. And yeah, in a way, like as you're asking me these questions and the feminine, I feel like it just it just can't be spoken about without the masculine, I guess. You know, was when we're talking about these dark mother archetypes, which I love talking about and you know, the shadow, the, the black mother, the black Madonna, the the dark mother, the dark goddess, whatever it is, they are these sort of, they're feminine aspects, but they have this, this masculine side to them as well. And yeah. it's like we can't, can we have a conversation about just, just rising? Yeah. Is it possible yeah. without the two polarities looking each other face to face and making love, you know? Yes, that's it. Like it's not possible. How does the feminine rise? I mean, obviously it has been sort of in exile in our, you know, the feminine principle certainly has been, you know, when when you're looking at the world and what we've done and what's happened, for sure there's, you know, we've got to balance it up here. There's a massive, you know, unbalanced situation that is causing a lot of problems, but can we talk about it without? No, you're right. Almost like it cannot be talked about it without coming together. Yeah. It's like talking about a love story, but talking about just the one person, just the one side. Like it, it's it's not possible. And I, I don't know exactly. It takes two. Yeah, no, it takes two to have the unity experience in love, right? And you're you're right. You're a hundred percent right because I think often what. I might be doing sometimes is talking about the masculine, but in that unhealthy masculine. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's oh, right. God. And and that's why the he is within the she, you know, I've always felt like the he is there within the she, within the feminine. And it's so important when you do she births that you bring somebody along who will be your partner, will be that rock, will be that masculine energy. But that is a healthy masculine. Mm-hmm. Like that is the solid, grounded, I will be the rock that you can come to amidst the, the you know, the pounding of waves, you know, and hold you very tenderly because the heart still opens so dramatically when someone is holding that space and they move more into their feminine as well as the masculine. So it it is definitely a dance. It is definitely two lovers. And you're 100% right. We can't talk about it because it's through being seen that she rises as well. And so I've always felt like every bloke that comes and the majority of blokes and not all blokes that comes along to a she-births course is already bowing to the feminine, like just by being there. They are Mm -hmm. willing to bow to the feminine and allow her to rise and it's in that her rising that he also rises and it's like making love it is like making love and giving to her there's a receiving of her kind of nectar in her in her ecstasy as well right and that's a cycle and that's the shiva and the shakti so you're 100% right it's it's through the two you have to both have to be there in order for the rising because it's through being seen being held and the giving and taking the merging 
of the two. Absolutely. And that birth is a feminine and masculine experience. Totally. Birthing within a woman's body. Um, And I hope it's really, really clear, uh, like, I don't use panic, like that it's very clear that we're not talking about men <laughs> when we're talking about the masculine that's so important, like, that it's we're talking about polarities like a left and right side of the brain or however because, yeah, it's it's this is not about, you know, a love, uh, you know, yeah. a sexual love story. Um, totally. But, yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's really, really interesting this, you know, and when I think about my birth, you know, I, I do think, God, it's amazing how the, the two polarities sort of have to meet, the, the masculine that he's like, rah, you know, kind of like the way and then the the, fem, the way the way the two, maybe that is the greatest experience of the balance, the, the, the highest point of balance that, you know, a body can have, I don't know, in the birthing experience, you're, you're doing something, you know, like it's like <laughs> I don't even know, like the energy and the, 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 the workload that you're actually doing. Yeah. There's no like soft feminine in like birthing. You're literally like, you know, I'm thinking in terms of my son when he was like too, like a digger, a truck you know you're like the work of like you are moving buildings you are you are like there's like there is that element of almost testosterone to it you know and then this yeah, that's true. That is like you know I am just a vessel of <laughs> it's um oh yeah there's work that's right there is work oh and is there work man and how's the muscle fatigue like after birth like your arms after um giving birth to Lev, like for holding yourself up and your legs, you know, and you're still feeling the TENS machine on your lower back days later as though it's still there because we've just like wired it, it, wired it into your system so much, you know. <laughs> yes. Okay. But you're right. You're so right. I knew you'd always, I knew you'd like bring it home for us, like into some profound, profound aspect that, my consciousness had not yet seen. <laughs> well, I guess the real question is how, you know, we're talking about this perfect balance is required or we aspire to this balance within ourselves of these polarities of the doer and the not doer, you know, the whatever these polarities are and we've obviously attributed shame to some of them and because we live in such a patriarchal system, I guess the real question is how do we bring balance? Yeah. How do we bring the feminine into balance with, you know, with as women, as men, as however we identify, um, how do we bring those two polarities into balance that we can trust, that we know isn't coming from an external system that is demanding things from us that are mechanical and not in line with you know, our, our essence. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's it. That's really, that's it. I mean, that's enlightenment. I mean, the definition of enlightenment is that balance between masculine and feminine. It is having both in balance. And what does that, I mean, again, the question is holy. We can just ask that question. How, 
how do we balance, you know, and everyone will have different ways and things they do and people do whatever it is, yoga or yeah, affirmations or the gym or their walk or running or a bath or whatever it is that everyone does. But it's like these are, you know, I don't know. I'll think about it for myself just like, you know, I guess that's in birth in so many ways it's done for us. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Prepare and do the course. And the course is great because we're in the world, you know, yeah. showing up. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, it is beyond, it is beyond any of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in life, it's, it's, it's sort of, there are steps I guess we can take. And I, yeah, how to unplug from these, ideas we have around the masculine and the feminine because we've all got them you know and unfortunately they're so ingrained it's even I'm even feeling it in this conversation of like oh every time I say masculine you know oh is it sounding like oh god and every time I say feminine he's like why does it sound kind of wimpy and every time I like I'm having all these different kind of ideas attached nothing's clean none of these ideas are clean they've been sort of corrupted in some way or another by some yeah, that's right. So it's 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 even hard to have the conversation. Yeah. It's that's we're talking true. about, you know, very I mean it's an esoteric thing, energy and you know, the body and polarities and spheres and sides and science and also not science and you know, but mm. yeah, what what do each one of us do in order to bring this balance? Yeah. I, I think what I've realised from birth is that we need to honour the feminine more than what we do, right? Yep. And it is this the most primordial rite of passage that has existed and it allows us this access to a natural awakening and the awakening is to the power of the feminine and the beauty of the feminine and part of she births for me was always like bring in the power of the masculine and the beauty of the masculine as well like both in that dance for sure but i i know that there's um an interesting i don't know if this connects but i have been reading this book um by an author called Kemi Nek Nev Kapil called Power um a woman's guide like no apology guide to living power and you know, she asked me, she asks in the book, like she's a coach, she asked in the book, um, where does the patriarchy exist in your life and what does the patriarchy look like? How does it live out in your life? And I just asked the question, had my journal, and it was like the biggest, loudest answer that mm-hmm. I was not expecting. And I was with at this party yesterday and I was talking about it with these guys and they totally agreed and this is what it comes down to for me and maybe where we started this conversation the answer was where does the patriarchy show up in my life in the belief that someone else is coming Mm. someone is coming and that's not just me as a woman as a damsel in distress like Rapunzel or Sleeping Beauty 
maybe that is there, like I'm going to be saved, but it's also like somebody is coming to show me the way. It's look out, look out, look out, look out. Mm-hmm. And pandemic and floods sent to our rooms, forced to sit and be silent, getting ready for birth. It's all about, and, and labor itself, women have to close their eyes. They have to go in, go in, go in, go in, go in. And I just think that's it. Like we're just so conditioned to look out and that the the, the answers are all within. And to me that is what the rise of the feminine would look like on our planet. It is men and women and all genders all beings knowing that they can look in to find answers, to know, to be saved (laughs) and to realise that actually no one is coming, even though the whole world tells you that outside will fix your problems and, you know, advertising is pumped into your brain all the time, telling you that you need something outside of yourself to feel good or to know. You are coming. You are coming. (laughs) Mama, I'm coming. Mama, I'm coming. (laughs) I want to bite of that apple and I'm going to come for myself. You are coming. It's not no one. It's you. You are coming. And coming and coming and, you know, going and coming. Yes. Um, Absolutely. I mean, God, you know, it's it's clear where things stand within the masculine and the feminine in the world. Obviously there is so much shame around the feminine, you know, the more feminine, you know, the more classically attributed feminine aspects. God, there's so much shame around it. That's a clue. That's something really odd. That is the clue. And that's the clue. Exactly. Bleeding, menstruation, birthing, body and the way it looks, and menopause, huh? Rest. Rest, yes, that's something you shouldn't be needing. So we have to do self-care Sunday, you know, just to balance it out, go and get my Matty Petty, like that's going to fill you up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so ingrained within, oh, yeah, it's, it's a minefield. It is. So what does the rise of the feminine look like for you? Or what has it looked like for you in relation to your birth or? Mm. I feel like we've probably answered that in so a million ways, but what do you want to say about the rise of the feminine or what does it look like in the world if the feminine and the masculine were to rise in balance? What would that look like from your lens, from you as Jessie? Mm. I, I right in this minute because I have not thought about it in those in that exact framework it looks like no shame oh I've been saying I've been saying that word a lot in this chat like oh the shame and it looks like no shame Mm, that's beautiful yeah that's as simple as it gets for me it's like the ways that come naturally the ways that that emanate from us there is no shame there is no shame in needing the rest there is no shame in the needing to not do there is no shame in the doing there is no shame in the wanting to achieve and then not wanting to achieve there is no shame in disappearing and appearing and disappearing there is no shame in going and coming and going again and there's 
no shame in wanting and in absolutely not wanting, you know. We are just driven mad with these different ways we should be and should not be and to achieve and to be and to, you know, achieve our potential and it's all, they're all important conversations but they kind of drive us mad too and and it's, I think for me the feminine is and the balance of the feminine and the masculine is be in what is unashamedly yours to feel right now. That's as that's what I got right now with it. And from you know, from where we've come from in this conversation. I yeah, it's becoming really clear to me how much shame I carry, you know, as a mother of my rage or of my, you know, oh God, I, I think it's the defining one of the defining aspects. And it's coming from ingrained ideas of what a a mother should be, of what a a modern woman should be or, you know, know, all sorts of, I I can't escape what I've absorbed and, you know, the beliefs (laughs) around so many things, marriage, motherhood um, or partnership or, you know, power, what a powerful woman is or what a, you know, all these things. So for me, I love to let go of my shame and just really be own this, own this, yeah. I love it. Mm. So beautiful. Can you read us a poem? Yeah. Yeah, please do. Have a breather. <laughs> let me grab this. Oh, here it is. Oh, you got any requests? Um, Where do I go? I mean, I love the lion's heart. Oh, yeah. I love that one. And I suppose, hang on a second. Sorry about that noise. I love um, lion's heart. Whoops. Knocking over things. Yeah, lion's heart is, you know, one of my favourites. Um. And maybe that's, I don't know the Heart Sutra, but maybe this is, um, connects in with what we've been talking about with Shemi. The Heart Sutra? Well, we've been talking about heart. Well, definitely everyone should look up the Heart Sutra. It's it's very complicated, but, well, it is to me. I don't know. But um, definitely heart. Gosh, that is something I'm definitely... My journey and my daughter's heart history. Wow. But um, I actually did a lucky dip. This is my book. I opened it and I thought, oh, lucky dip for our conversation. This one's called, I mean, I've never read this one out loud. I would never choose this one, but, hey, it's called called You Must Not Know Yourself. You must be concealed to be revealed. You must not know yourself to find a perfect moment. There is no God until God becomes a mother. Until then, nothing can be born. Everything comes out of barrenness. The desert is full of flowers, yet we don't even notice. We are born humble as the trees. But don't you want to find out what is underneath your humility? 
Mm. <laughs> it's a perfect one. Yeah, maybe. Disappearing, the known, the unknown. The apple, the juicy apple. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. One more? Yeah. Shall I read? I'll read The Loneliness is Deep. The Loneliness is Deep. The loneliness is deep even in my happiest moments with you. The days are short, but the night hours burn like prickly flames that have no warmth or kindness. I want to be held, but now my arms are for holding. I want to ask, but now my voice is for answering. I bury my face in your neck, in your clothes, in your hair. Loneliness never smelt so sweet. Mm. You could exchange that word loneliness for disappearedness, you know. Mm. Disappearing never smelt so. I'd be surprised, you know. Sorry, I'd be surprised if every mother on the planet does not know that experience of of that isolation and loneliness, even in the villages, you know, even in. I have thought, actually, I've thought about that a lot actually like you know do you have to be a good mother not like you know like you know these concepts we have you know and like oh my mother was a bad mother or you know we or mothers that you know abandoned their children or you know these ideas that we have of what's good what's bad and can anyone get away with not disappearing in motherhood even if you went to work like on day 2 you know mm. i don't think you actually can like someone disappeared for you, like they did, even whatever, however it worked out, even on a body, you know, if we're talking about that contraction thing, how you actually have to make room for something else That's to be. The body had to disappear totally. Something psychologically, physically, but like, you know, it maybe someone could say they didn't experience it, but I, I don't know if we fully if that means it's not conscious or it seems to come hand in hand with creating anything, including, you know, businesses or, you know, world things or other types of creations, we must disappear on some level to create. There is no room otherwise to create if you are full of your fullness. Yeah. Yeah. And presence. Go into the womb, go into the womb, into the not knowing, go back to your room, sit with yourself, go inward. The whole planet's about to rebirth into something very new over the next few years. It's it's going to be such a new world that we live in, I have no doubt. Mm. But I have no idea what it will be, but it's going to be new. It's going to be new. Um, can you do one more? Can you do Lion's Heart? Yeah, sure can. Lion Heart. <clears throat> I didn't know that the letting go would need to happen so immediately. I thought we had years. Suddenly from birth, I must give you wings. You are just a tiny spark. I will need a lion heart for this. Mm. So it is. The kind and fierce, the heart of the lion, the lion heart. 
Mm. kind and fierce, the feminine in all her glory and the masculine in all their glory too. All of us discovering that, becoming more whole. Mm. Well, thank you, my love, for sharing. Oh, beautiful to speak (laughs) to you always. Yeah. And we miss you. Yeah. (laughs) I will um, sign off. And we'll try and stay on as long as possible. When the dove comes home with the kid. <laughs> okay, signing off. Yeah. Oh, is there anything else you want to say to the women out there? There's a lot of health workers. There's a lot of pregnant families out there. What do you want to say? Any little words? Oh, hang on. Let me think. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Questions holy. So just like. That's right. Um... Well, I'm going to stick to the shame thing then. I'm going to mm. stick to the shame thing. Um, you know, even, you know, for the pregnant families, it's probably already coming up, that shame stuff in different ways or not, or not consciously, you know. After birth, certainly a lot of things arise, you know, in regards to roles and feelings and what we should be and what we shouldn't be and what we should be and what we shouldn't be. May you have, may you give yourself the grace to flow with where you are at and may shame just be dispelled. Mm. More of a blessing, really, rather than words to do. Beautiful. It's certainly, yeah, a blessing for all of us. Mm, that's a beautiful blessing and so be it. Yeah. And so it is. I'm Nadine Richardson and you've been listening to The She Births Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share with a friend and leave us a review. We'd love to know what you would like to hear more of. You can find me and my team of amazing doulas and educators at shebirths.com and our awesome community on Instagram and Facebook. Within any good app store, you can download our free pregnancy guide via she births, two separate words and plural, as well as access our range of online courses. Remember when it comes to having a better birth, an easier transition into parenthood, your education is your empowerment. Don't forget to check out the catalogue of previous podcasts and thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show.